Good evening, everybody. We are here today. It's the 20th of March. It's going to be exactly a year since the lockdown began. And uh, Hallelujah. time has gone fast. So many things have happened in this one year. The world has changed in this one year. And we have had answered so many questions. This is our 59th Q&A. Next week it will be 60. So we are here with your questions and we trust God to give us the answers. But before we go into the Q&A, we'll ask, ask for God's intervention. All of us need God to speak. For he alone has the answer. Pastor Vijay, could you please lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, Father, for this time that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for 59 sessions. Oh, Lord, you've been with us, oh, Lord, Father. We thank you for one year, oh, Lord, Father, of this time of gathering together and having this online streaming, oh, Lord. We just want to thank you for the way that you have opened these doors for us, oh, Lord, to reach to the entire world. We just want to thank you. It is your work, and we just want to thank you for this opportunity that you have given to us, oh, Lord, Father, to minister as a church. And Lord, we commit this entire time into your hands, all the questions that your children have asked. I pray, Father, that you would grant your servant the wisdom, the anointing, and all of us the anointing to understand and perceive, O Father. And you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say, even during this last hour of time. Be with us, O Lord Jesus, and let let this session bring, bring glory and honor to your name and deliverance for your church. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Pastor Vijay, we can begin. <coughs> I think Pastor. we just have a couple of questions from India. The rest are all from. Yeah. Pastor, I think yeah. uh, w- one question which is uh, which is um, very relevant is question number sixteen. The last question, actually. Last question. Um, why is it important to give tithes to the church? Okay, that's from India. <laughs> if I want to give my tithe in the form of food to the needy or donate it to some orphanage or old age home, can I do so? Actually, we were talking about tithe and she was quite hesitant to give it to her church because she says if she gives once, they will know that she's working and working youth have to pay the youth fee. And if you don't pay the youth fee, they will call and ask you why you didn't give and all these things. So please, can you answer? Okay. <laughs> there are two takes on this. One is about the whole question about tithing. The tithing was primarily an Old Testament concept. The tithing was an Old Testament concept. In the New Covenant, please remember, our righteousness exceeds that of the law. So it is not that tithing is taken away. If you don't want to go to the New Covenant, at least give 10%. New covenant, you don't give 10%, your whole life, everything belongs to the Lord. Okay, so first we have to get that premise clear. Because a lot of new covenant preachers say that, including well-known names for us like Zach Bonan and all speaks against tithing as a New Testament principle. But the principle still remains, whether it is 10% or more, it is not 10% or less. Hmm. Okay, because it the principle is that we give to God and we will see through the book of Acts and Paul talking about in the first day of the week 
to collect set, so set aside whatever you want to give so when a new covenant believer who has been redeemed by the blood of God's own son is not going to set aside something which is lesser than a man in the old covenant who was redeemed by the blood of a passover lamb or a bull or a goat okay so get that principle right second again the principle applies where do you give your tithes and malachi is very clear of god is very clear it is brought to god's house it is not in the new co- old covenant if you look at your giving the whole giving was almost 33 or 37% if you want to put it in percentages you have tithes your offerings all kind of things so there is something which is completely different which is part of your charity now when people saying can i give your give my tithes in old age home no you cannot that is charity that is over and above your tithes you give you cannot give it there it has to be let's let's look into scripture so that people understand it clearly let's go to malachi 3 if i'm right sorry malachi 3 yeah malachi 3 and how god is uh, very what do you call it tough about it how the way he handles it malachi 3 yeah okay word 6 onwards we'll read because we look at the whole context of what god is saying for i am the lord i do not change therefore you are not consumed o son of jacob yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances i have not kept them return to me and i will return to you says the lord of hosts but you said in what way shall we return will a man rob god yet you have robbed me but you say in what way have you robbed you in tithes and offerings see tithes and offerings mm. you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and he says after that what he will do verse 11 and i will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground meaning he says if you do not do this you give an open door for the enemy to eat up your finances it doesn't matter how much you make you'll always hear at the end of the month it is not enough mm-hmm. because you have because only god can protect god can protect our increase okay if god doesn't protect it doesn't matter how much you make it will just go away it will go away either because your expenses increase or there is an accident there is a sickness whatever happens it just goes away so god says only i can protect it and if i have to protect it this is the way you need to do it you cannot rob god what belongs to him it belongs to him it's like you know people are more careful about paying taxes to the government than about giving to god no they are very afraid of giving the paying their taxes because they are afraid of the tax man but they have no fear of god so here god makes this concept very very clear okay so the concept is that the only question is whether it's 10% or more because jesus talks about your righteousness should exceed of and he talked about to see the pharisees and they were very careful about their tithing very careful about their tithing so the tithe is brought into god's house and the the question this child asked okay the question this child asked is this should i donate to some orphanage or old age home you look in the bible other than the church others never ran these things 
the church, the Bible does not talk about parachurch organizations. Yes. They are there, but in the world, but it is not there in the Bible. It is not there in the Bible. Okay, if you look in the book of Acts, the church took care of the widows. The church took care of the orphans. It is. And what was brought into the church, it was spent on these things. Somebody, Peter, John did not say, okay, I don't like my calling. I'm going to start an old age home and send your tithes. He did not do that. Mm. Nobody did that. Everything was, God has only established one entity on earth called his church. Okay, church. And if you look into human history, church history, Every parachurch organization has a time limit. Maximum 40 to 60 years. After that, they die. They may exist there in name, but you will see the presence of God has gone. Like YMCA, YWC, all these organizations just peter off. Because God will not allow his name to be put on anything other than the church. So one of the fundamental things which we need to understand is that if there is an orphanage, if there is an old age home, it should be associated with a church. It should be under the covering of a church. So you don't have to give separately. The church takes care of it. The church takes care. That's the way it is run. That's the way it was always in the Bible. And when there was an issue, if you look at Acts chapter 6, there was an issue with, let us say, an old age home. You put in today's context, Acts chapter 6, there is an issue. Mm. It's an old age home because these are widows. Okay? These are widows. And remember the principle is that a widow should be about 60 years old in the Bible. Paul talks about in his letter too. In those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, they arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Hmm. What is happening? It's in the church. It's not in some old age home. It's in the church. And what did the Bible say? The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. So who handles it? The church handles it. Okay, so the Bible also talks about in chapter 2, people saw the need, they sold, they brought it and put it at the apostles' feet. And that is what is happening. It is a church that handles and it is not. So when you talk about the tithes, the tithes is given to the church. You cannot do like you, like what you wish. Kingdom of God is built on principles and rules. You have to do according to that. Yeah. And over and above that, you want to support a ministry, that's fine. That's your call. But you don't take what belongs to God and put it into some other ministry and say, I have paid my tithes. God says, no, you have not. You have not. You have not paid your tithes. Your tithes goes to the church. It is given to the church. And the church spends it on different, uh, what do you call it, ministries. That's how it is done. And to this child who says, if I give my tithes, then they will know I am working. The simple rule we follow in our church is that when you give your tithes, let it be anonymous. To the child, what you do is that you put it in a cover without anybody seeing. Because I know they watch also the covers. Without anybody seeing. Okay, anybody seeing quietly. If they have keep a box, put it into that box. Or quietly without your name, anything mentioned, do it. And do it, don't do it on the, if they are watching, then do, don't do it regularly every first Sunday. Then they will watch, okay, which one is, so we want to catch you to ask, how much do you make? You need to realize people do that. It's terrible. Terrible in everywhere in the world. Even in India is very bad. Very bad. And they have the people even in the banks from the church who will watch your money coming in and report to the pastor. I'm talking about really in the banks. There are church people who work in the banks and they will report to the pastor, this person's income is so much and they check the accounts. You did not put it too much. We have inside knowledge that you make this much. Okay. It's become a racket. It has become a racket. That's why we simply put this 
we have these principles. You know, we you know we used to make those announcements now, of course, because everybody knows it. The first is that if you are not saved, don't put your money into the into the church. That itself gives pastors a heart attack. Because much of the ministry is run by the money of the Gentiles. The television ministry like, is run. And the Bible is very clear in uh, Third John 7 that we took nothing from the pagans because of the name of the Lord. Second, if you are a believer and you do not belong to that church, you are visiting there or you are come there just to hear the word that this church is not which you consider your home church, we tell them, don't put your put your put your because you don't put your money where you are not fed. It's a simple principle, right? You don't put your money where you are not fed. But if this is your church, this is a church that is feeding you, put your money. Otherwise, you are just visiting for a week or two. You're clear, right? You can hear, right? Then give it your your, this thing to the home church because we don't want uh, misunderstandings, fightings. Third thing the Bible says that when you bring your offering, you got something against somebody or somebody's got anything which the Holy Spirit convicts which you have not put right, put right, and then give your offering. Because that's what the Bible says in Corinthians. First they gave themselves, then they gave their money to the Lord. You follow these fundamental principles, you know what will happen is that God will work it out. God will work it out. Okay, but remember, it's not one month you do, two months you do, everything starts falling into place. Everything God will test us whether we are consistent. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So you consistently give. Okay, whether you see a result of it or not, you're just being faithful to God's word and slowly over a period of time you will see it starts falling into place that you don't actually face lack in your life. Lack in your life because God starts honoring. Because otherwise God calls it, you're robbing God. You're robbing God. In the old covenant, remember, the whole thing was put over there because the Levites were called full-time to serve God. They had no inheritance in the land. So every other tribe was told to bring 10% and whatever it was, it went to the maintenance of the Levites. The maintenance of the Levites and the uphold, the, um, the running of the church and all that, the, sorry, the temple and all the other associated work of the temple, the tithes went into that. That was how it is in the Old Testament. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, uh, again, I think a kind of related questions. Question number 11. Are we born poor or is it a curse? It's question number 11. Everybody was born poor. Your father may be rich, but you were born poor because you came with nothing. (laughs) Okay. Either your father was rich or your father was poor, but everyone was born poor at, at that level. Second thing, poverty doesn't have to be a curse. Poverty can be because of mismanagement. Okay. Some people simply do not know how to handle money. Okay, one generation to another generation, all the wealth can be. You can come into poverty through so many reasons. Just imagine if you have a father who is alcoholic, they will be poor because he would have left nothing. Okay, or you lose your job, a calamity, an accident, all kind of things can happen. All kind of, you have saved your money, everything. Just think about simple thing you have in this thing and then you have an accident, you have a sickness and you have no insurance. By the time you come to the hospital, your entire life savings have gone. Okay, or in Indian context, okay, your father saved all the money, you have three daughters to marry. By the time all three are married, you are out, you are finished. 
Okay, because this is these are real facts of life. So you cannot associate it with a curse necessarily. Yet curses can happen, which brings poverty. Because there is a lot of people you will see that it doesn't matter how rich they become at the end, everything is wiped out because it's blood money. And there is a lot of blood money that is floating around. There's a lot of blood money that is floating around. And the Bible talks about it in James where the, the cry of the laborers have reached heaven. So there's so much blood money floating around. So if there is blood money in your family, remember that curse passes on. It passes on. So, you know, that's why we have to be very, very careful about it. Money is a major issue. Remember in the book of Acts, you will see money coming in, money being given and money being rejected. One, when they're bringing an offering, somebody wants to buy the the gift of the Holy Spirit with money and you will see how tough the apostles were there. So we have to be very careful about it. But it's not that you are born. born. But it doesn't matter how you are born, you can come out of it. I'm not saying that you need to be rich or anything, but the thing is that God promises something and that is Matthew 6 and verse 33. And that is a fundamental promise in the Bible. Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What is he talking about? The necessities of life. It will be added unto you. Mm. It will be added unto you. And then you have Psalm 37 where uh, David says, right, about the righteous men. Verse 30, 20, uh, 25, 37, 25 and 26. I have been young and now old, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Okay, But remember old covenant promises, don't take it per se in the new covenant. The new covenant is a different thing altogether, because you have surrendered your body, your soul, your everything to God. Basically, you are saying, Lord, I accept your absolute sovereignty over my life. And for the sake of the kingdom, I may lose everything and it is well with me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32 to 34. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, for your compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourself in heaven. Hmm. Okay, 1949, when the Maoists took over China, every Christian man became poor. Overnight they became poor. Everybody. Christians were pretty rich businessmen and including watchmen. Everybody lost everything. Same thing in Russia. Everybody will lose. And same thing will happen anywhere in the world. You are a believer and the communist socialist system takes over. Overnight you will become a pauper. They will, they will take everything from you for your, for, for the sake of your faith. Cuba, any nations you look at, they will take it off. So then did you become poor because of your unrighteous? No. You became poor because of your righteousness. That's why you don't take all the old covenant promises and says it has to apply to me. Okay. But you need to look at what the Bible says about us in James. James again talks about it. James chapter two and verse five. What are we rich? 
Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? So it's not whether you are rich in material possessions, because how long will you enjoy it? Ultimately, as you grow older, your enjoyment gets lesser and lesser and lesser. Even your pillow starts hurting your head. Right? So, nothing, nothing. Ask Solomon. He will tell you. <laughs> He's a miserable old man, cranky old man he became with all the wealth in the world. But what did he call us to be? He called us to be rich in faith. Rich in faith. So, that's a question. It's not a question whether you are poor in material things. The question is, are you rich in faith? If you are rich in faith, you know what you become? You become an heir of the kingdom. Otherwise, if you are rich in material possessions but poor in faith, you don't become an heir. Even though you are an heir, you possess nothing. That is Galatians 4.1. Galatians 4.1 are people who are very poor in faith. <laughs> it's not that they are not saved, but in faith they are very poor. Now I say the heir, as long as he's a child. He's a child. Okay, he's born again child. But faith-wise he's very poor. He's godly, conjum faith. To just to get into the kingdom of God. He's born again, he's saved, he's a child of God, but in faith he's very poor. Mm-hmm. Materially he may be very, very rich. What happens? He does not differ at all from a slave, though he's a master of all. And is but under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So he used an illustration over there, like we had. Babies over here. We had Zoe here. We had Rihan over there. Everything the parents own belongs to them. <laughs> Can Rihan suddenly take his father's car and take off? No way. Mm-hmm. Can Zoe do whatever she wants? No way. She just, you know, when they go out, they will put somebody in charge of the babies and the babies have to listen to that. Just like that. And that's what will happen in eternity. Suddenly people will realize, ayo, how I messed up on earth because you will be put under guardians. The Bible says we are supposed to rule over the angels in eternity and I believe a huge chunk of people will be put under angels to watch over them because they never used their time to grow rich in faith. They were rich like Laodicea Church. We have everything, but they did not realize they were absolutely poor in faith. So to the poor, this is my stake. doesn't worry how much. How much do you need? Bible is very clear, right? That is First Timothy 6, 5. Godliness, 6, 5, right? Six, uh, six, five, yes. Yeah. Godliness, six, godliness, but godliness, with again. Right? Yeah, 6, yeah, six, six and uh, read the other one. We brought nothing, nothing into, into this world, world, and it is certain we can carry mm-hmm. nothing out. And where is it? Instead, having food and clothing, with but these we shall be connected. Even this you get in the prison. Even in prison, quality may be very bad, but they will give you basic food and they will give you some clothing to cover. And you should be content. If you are persecuted for righteousness sake and end up in prison, you get food and clothing. And that's what Paul says from the Roman prisons. I'm fine. I'm good. I know how to be content because I wrote this and it is true in my life. Caesar's system gives me something to eat. And my neck, I am cold. And if Timothy can bring my coat, it is fine. But I am good. I am good. I know how to abound. I know to abase. You know why? Because he's very rich in faith. Yes. Very, very rich in faith. Poor in everything else. 
very rich in faith. So that's the fundamental principle we have. I'm not saying that therefore you should wish that I should not be rich. No, you should be rich. But remember, riches, you hold it in stewardship. And to make riches also is a gift. That's a gift God gives to people within the body of Christ to generate wealth. That is given in Romans 12. But that person will know it is for the purpose of investing in the kingdom of God. And in the book of Acts chapter 2 and all, you will see nobody had to tell them. They're just on their own. Suddenly people realize, you know what, we got lands, which we don't need all this stuff, houses and all, three houses, four houses, five houses. What are we keeping in this for? You know what they just sold it all. And they brought it and uh, gave it to, to the apostles and they spent it on the church. Okay. So we'll look at another question. I think it's, I think, I'm not sure if this is from India too. This is question number 15. 15. It says, uh, is it important for a man? Yeah, this is from India. Okay. Is it important for a man to marry someone that he's physically attracted to? I know a friend who has this question. His parents are in the process of seeking matches for him. Out of all the proposals they considered so far, he found one girl strikingly different from others. From the communication that he had with her, he found her to be matching most of the qualities mentioned in Proverbs about the wise woman. But the only problem is that he is not physically attracted to her at all in any way. On the one hand, he wants to marry her because of her character, while on the other, he fears this problem might continue after the marriage perpetually, making the relationship only platonic. He is not sure whether to go ahead with this proposal or look for someone who he may be attracted to. Would love to hear your advice. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a serious issue everywhere it happens. The problem is, you see, um, we need to be delivered from our concept about what loves. He brought platonic. That is from Plato. That is not from the Bible. Okay, that's what it means, platonic. Okay, that's what means platonic. That's what we need to realize. What is the whole concept? I, I'm not saying that your spouse, whether man or woman, should be should not be good looking. But that's not a criteria in the Word of God at all. That's not a criteria. Old covenant, yes, it was material, physical, all that talks about it. First Peter chapter three will talk about what is beauty, the concept about beauty. Okay, what is the concept about beauty over there? Yeah, who be won by the okay. Let not to be adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold, okay? Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So the real beauty, and I'm telling you because this man is unmarried, okay, this man is unmarried. We have, there are married men here, one, two, three, four, five married men here. You ask all the married men, I don't know, I haven't asked, but I know about myself. You ask married men, after a few weeks, months of your marriage, how your wife looks is irrelevant. What she is, is the only thing that matters. You don't remember her face, you remember the person. If the person is not beautiful, it does not matter how good looking he or she is. You'll still have more problems in your life. But the person inside person is what the bible talks about you know what you'll have a good marriage but for that you need to get your mind aligned to what god thinks about all these things okay and when you talk about go to first corinthians chapter 13 and uh, no so we get this very very clear 13 and words uh, four onwards okay so that you understand okay what is love Love suffers long and it is kind. 
This is what love is. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You'd see in this entire description in the Bible about what love is, nothing outward is mentioned. Nothing outward is mentioned. Everything that the love is talking about is talking about the person inside. And we have to. Our problem is the devil has used his world system to create a false image of love, which is everything that is outside. Because it's a multi-billion industry. Industry. So we people will also, you see in the matrimonial columns, you will see once born again believer who is fair, okay, good looking. It's all outward. All outward. All outward. And this first, the person who is asking this question has to get that very clear. And you have to, we have to ask because so many, especially women, not men, especially Women, so many godly, beautiful women inside have remained unloved and unmarried because they were not good looking outside. Men get married because men get good jobs. So even if he's not good looking, they will get a bride. Somebody will marry his daughter off to him because he makes money. Makes money. But it went into girls, you know, girls, you know, parents struggle because of this concept. You look at, you look at, honestly, I'll tell you, you look at any ad, any ad, any fashion show, anything, any movie, find me where you will find people who are not good looking according to the standard of the world which is picked up there. Nobody. And if, if you have a talent, if you have a talent, you know, we, let's see this thing, you know, we watch British Britain's got talent and and this thing and all we watch once in a while we watch. I can only remember one person, that is Susan Boyle. I don't know whether you watch Susan Boyle. The thing is that I liked Susan Boyle simply because when she came over there, they all laughed at her, literally laughed because she looked like a village girl, a rustic forty year old woman, this thing and all. And she blew the audience apart because nobody knew she could sing like that. Okay. But after that, see the next ones. They changed her image completely. She had a talent which brought the house down. Second, third, oh no, her hair is changed, dress is changed because you know what, okay, we like your talent but next time we present you, we will put you in the frame which we like and we're going to put you across and you will see it consistently. Consistently. That is exactly what Romans 12, 2 says, do not let the world conform you into, take the, what is that, the message version, Eugene Peterson's message version of Romans 12, 2. No? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. 
It's different translation altogether. But you understand what he's trying to say. You know? So we have to be very, don't conform to the pattern of the world. And you know what? And much of our misery in our married life is because we conform to the pattern of the world. We didn't put first things first. Mm. First things first. We put the world. So there was no difference between us and the world. Between us and the world. Like, no, yes. When you look for an alliance as a father, you should look whether my daughter will be secure. That is there. But security is not the first thing. It is second. But the first thing is the character of the boy. Now, old days when proposal, no, they checked the whole neighborhood. They had everything known about you. And they will say yes or no. They will check the whole family out. Where And if there is some hidden skeleton in the family, I don't know how they will find it out. And when the proposal is going on, we heard something about your family. Two generations back, somebody ran away and married somebody. That's a blot on your family. Will it affect my daughter? They were so careful about these things, absolutely careful. Why? Because they were checking out, checking out. They were checking out. Today it is not. And you look, you look at the two marriages, primary important marriages in the Bible. Uh, Isaac never saw uh, Rebecca. Never saw Rebecca. And she was such a godly wife for him. He goofed up. Let us accept the fact he goofed up and she, she, he goofed up first and she became goofy after that. But if you look at it, till then things were fantastic. And he never looked at her. But on the other hand, Jacob went and fell in love first sight. He fell, he hugged, he kissed and he only wanted to marry her. And she gave him so much misery. Is she beautiful? Of course she is beautiful. Ultimately God had to take her out of the picture. But on the other one, the wife who was not good looking, Leah, stayed with him all the days of her life with him. And ultimately he was buried with her. And he was not buried with Rachel. So we have these pictures. We have these pictures. So if you don't get the mold of the world outside, outside. I am not saying outside the person should not be good looking. Maybe that is the first one that attracts you. Right? clothes or a car or anything. Now, who will buy a car by looks alone? Right? Nobody buys that. Who will buy a book on the cover alone? There are idiots who buy books on the cover, okay? Okay? But... They judge the book by the cover. They judge the book by the cover. But ultimately, it's not the looks of the car. It is the engine that matters. Okay, It's in the same. It is not the looks of the person. Looks should be good. Otherwise, it will not do not sell. So that's what we talk about. Look presentable. Don't be sloppy. When we when we counsel married women, when you say when your husband comes back home, don't look like something the cat dragged in on a wet night. You know, it brings the rat into the house. Nighty full of stains, child's vomit on this side and he's coming and he looks at you. Lord, what have I come home to you? Don't be like that. You know when your husband is coming home, shower, Look good, okay? You don't have to wear makeup and all that. Just look good. Look presentable. You have to do these things. Because sometimes men and women are so sloppy, it's difficult to love them. (laughs) 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 Simple tips you have to do. You have to do these things because you what? Because it's you are saying that, you know what? I'm, I'm growing older, but I'm more graceful today. 
I'm more graceful today than I was. Okay, they say it like uh, marriage should be like wine. The older it gets, the better it should become. You know why? Because the ins- actually, you look at that statement they make. Can it be true? Because if it is outward, the older you get, the more your outward body is perishing. But if your inward man is being renewed, you get better with time. Yes. You understand each other. You are more patient. Earlier you were mad. Now you are not mad. Earlier you used to the thing. Now it doesn't matter. Earlier the snoring used to bother you. Now it doesn't bother you. All the cranky things, you know, you have worked or ironed out all. And you are learning to live with each other much more. And you realize there is peace. You live with each other. Earlier when if you pulled your joke on your wife, your wife said you got so offended and angry. Now they laugh with you. You know why? Because you are changing from inside. That's what the Bible says. You leave, you cleave, and you become one. And it's got to do with the inside man. It's got not to do with the outside man. If you stick to the outside worldly, this thing, it's a recipe for disasters. It's a recipe for disaster. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. Because what happens is that uh, your husband is loses the attraction or the wife loses the attraction. And then when they go to the offices, they have their romances and their in their affairs. You know why? Because you are looking only the outward person. Outward person. But inward person matters. That is what matters. Okay. It matters. And that's how you break this narrative of the world. Pastor, we look at another question related to marriage then. Uh, again, just the previous question. This is question number 14. Uh, it says, in the body of Christ, there is a huge misunderstanding on the spiritual headship and submission. Mm-hmm. Believers failed to see the servant leadership model that Jesus led by example and even showed by washing the disciples' feet, etc. Believers misinterpret thinking that husbands don't need to consult wife for decision making or wives need to be under the feet or uh, of their wife, etc. Can you please explain the nitty-gritties of what headship by the man and submission by the woman actually involve? It is a pastor's conference message. <laughs> but we'll just go to uh, Ephesians 5, 21, 22. That's where it begins. Right. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives submit your own husbands as to the Lord. Now remember, we are living in the 21st century. We have, things have changed. But the truth doesn't change. The, the life has changed. The culture has changed. Okay, everything has changed. Like where typically now both men and women go out to work. Go out to work. Okay, but this is the fundamental thing is that submitting to one another in the fear of God. That is the fundamental. Understand this. Average woman is looking for security. The average man is willing to take risks. And risk and security don't go together. Okay, don't go together. So that is where it is as far as possible. As far as possible, decisions should be make t- must be taken together. Okay. Now let me tell you, you cannot. I cannot be the. This cannot be the head of my body if my neck is disconnected from the head. Headship is only connected as make any sense if it is connected to the body. A husband cannot be disconnected to the wife and say, "I am the head." Then what are you heading? 
by your head. If you have to lead your wife in something, then there is a mutual discussion. It's a mutual discussion. Okay? And it's sometimes very good to listen to the wife. Because the way man thinks and the way the woman thinks are completely different. The woman is thinking about the child and the home. What does she want? She wants security. She wants security. While the man is also wants security, but in his sense of security, he's more like a gambler. I will put in here and in two years we will make this much. But she's always, there's so much risk involved. It didn't work last time. Do you want to take that risk? First we are getting into finances. Okay? Because finances is the main thing. Mm -hmm. Finances are fine. Everything falls into place. That is why you don't take unilaterally a financial decision. Okay? Simple. You cannot take a financial decision which affects the other person. It affects the other person. So it is good to sit together and have the input. And then the question finally comes is that if you are not able to agree, that is where the headship goes. If you are not able to agree, as far as possible, decisions should be taken in agreement. But if you are not able to agree, the headship goes. But that is where this thing comes. If the, both the man and the woman are God-fearing, then the woman goes to God and says, Lord, I know I am right, but he's not listening. Will you intervene? And God will speak to that man. Yeah. And God spoke to Abraham and said, listen to your wife. She's right. It's about money. It's about inheritance. And she's saying, my son will not divide with the other woman's son. She, her son will not inherit the property. Forget spiritual things. Only. It's actually about property, the decision is. And she says, you know what? That's a maidservant's son. This is the actual heir. And he's not going to inherit. And Abraham is very upset. But I believe she prays. And God talks to Abraham and says, listen to your wife. She's right. She's right. Okay. And that's what Rebecca should have done. Lord, there's an issue over here. You please speak to my husband. Okay? I will stay under headship. He's the boss. He's making a decision. But... What I'm going to do is that I'm going to, going to pray closet and knock on the doors of heaven. He's already made his decision. He's not willing to change his mind. But I know one thing. He's a God-fearing man. God-fearing man. And you tell him, he will do it. And when God told him, Abraham sent him out. Heartbroken, but sent him out. So that is the key. That is why 21 is so important. We have to grow in the fear of God. Fear of God. You have to grow in the fear of God. So as far as possible, as far as possible. And I will also say, as far as possible, because I've seen disasters happening, okay, as far as possible, have joined, have your own salary accounts is fine, but have a joined account. Yes. Have a joined account. Okay, have a joined account. And let bulk of your savings or whatever, if you put it in that way, in money form, let it be in the joined account. Don't Don't let it be in your single account. You know why? Because if something happens to you, it will be a headache to get it opened up and cleared. It happened with me when my father died. All the money was in his name. I had to run from pillar to post to get it released. And my mother had no clue. Had no clue. And I know lots of women. They have no clue at all what the man has done. And you know what? Others take the money and go away and she doesn't even have an idea. Have an idea. This money just goes. It disappears. 
Okay, because she doesn't even know that he's got a locker where he's put his papers in. <laughs> and it goes, and don't do that. Don't do that. You have to have it because God doesn't call you two. He calls you one. And be one in your finances and put it put it that way. You know, because don't look at the world system. The world is always scared. Will he leave me and go? Will she leave me and go? So I want a no-close divorce before marriage is started. Don't look at that. We are Christians. We are believers. It is death unto part. Right? That is our decision. Therefore, let there be that in the decisions you make. Then it will be easy to go forward. Go forward. So that each one will know who is spending and who is wasting. And it is a joint account because you get an alert. Hello? <laughs> Did you spend something? Yeah. What was it for? Okay. The other one. Where Are you out shopping? Are you out shopping? Okay, you know, so you keep a check on what are you spending on? Do we really need this? We don't need this. No, do we really need this? You are able to yet. I always tell men, but don't be a grinch when it comes to spending on your wife. Because God made them different from us. What we don't need does not mean you need to be like me, like Pastor Vijay's example. He can't take Justin to Lal Bazaar to that tailor and say, make her salwar straight military style and give it to her. You can't do that. You have to let her go shopping and buy her own clothes. We are okay with all that. We are fine. Okay, we are okay. But don't treat them that way. Please don't treat them that way. They are different. But the woman has to be careful that you don't spend because God made them different. Imagine if there are no women. How boring this life would be. No color. No color. <laughs> no color. <laughs> Only thing, don't be too colorful. Okay? Don't be too colorful. So, always be very careful. And when you have children, don't treat your daughters the way you treat your sons. Don't treat your daughters the way you treat your sons. Treat your sons differently. And tell them this is the way you are. And treat your daughters differently. Saying, this is, I will give you a little more indulgence. (laughs) Because you are special. Mm. You are special. Okay, so you will see that this has to match, that has to match, this has to match. Boys, don't go overboard with that. Mm. Okay? Don't have to match too much. Okay? Girls, we have to show them that is they are, they are different. Because when uh, uh, Eve is brought to Adam, he should be able to say, wow. He has to break into song. He has to break into his song. Praise God. First, there's some more practical questions. Uh, or other, but yeah. as put, let me put this, this thing. Be very, very, um, I mean, I'm talking about when your relationship is generally okay in marriages. You've got a good better than what we call a working relationship. You've got a good relationship going on. Be absolutely honest about finances. Mm. Okay? Be very honest about finances because if you're not honest with each other on finances, your marriage will never go forward. Never go forward. Because like I said, money in the world is like faith in the kingdom of God. If you're not honest about your faith with God, you're not going anywhere with God. And if you're not honest about your finances with your spouse, you remember you will never go forward. There will be always element of doubt and suspicion. So be very careful about finances. Because ultimately finances is with which you control. Right? We say when watching TV, we have six people watching TV. Who has the reward is the boss. Right? Same thing in the home. Whoever handles the money is the boss. That is where there has to be transparency and accountability about how you spend the money. Otherwise you will always realize there is something. 
there is something wrong so don't go into the traditional indian hindu way of this thing thinking and all that that's not christian way of thinking if you look at proverbs 31 she seems to be handling all the finances yeah he seems to be having a gala time sitting at the gates and making discussions but she seems to be doing all the work all the work that does not mean she is not uh, he's she is not accountable to him because in this morning session we saw the shunamite woman she is the one who's not able reputed everything but at the harvest time he is the one who's at the field with the reapers overseeing everything so it's a combined effort it's a combined effort okay everything and even when you buy your property your house or whatever register in both your names it's not a question of i mean if you for other reason you want to register only in one name it is fine but it should be all based on mutual trust mm. all based on mutual trust so these are the steps you are saying you know i remember my covenant i made until death's two partners so it's everything is together it is not separate you know it is together because okay. there is a scripture given the two shall be one and there are steps taken to prove you are one Right. Also, another uh, practical question. Um, this is from. I'm not going to mention the name of the person. It's from Guyana. Okay. Uh, What's the number? Uh, this is ten. Question number ten. Okay. Uh, thank you for thank you so much for all your preaching. Enjoying all your preaching sessions and your praying, wife. I have a question. Moses gave God many reasons why he was not the man for the task. His lack of capab- capability, lack of uh, message, yeah. lack of authority. Do you think he was right? Can you explain how he managed to overcome his inferiority complex? He was absolutely right. And then, and the second part of course is some, sometimes we believe we are making the right choice and then we make a negative choices as well. How do we put our foot down to negative choices when it comes to from our elders in the family? Okay, let's look at the first one. First one is not a difficult question we understand. God was bringing him to that point where he would finally decide I'm not capable of anything. because then only because you see the the thing is that we have to look at individuals in history though this is a general principles but somebody god has to use so powerfully has to come to the end of himself moses is not an ordinary man abraham is not an ordinary man joshua is not an ordinary man paul is not an ordinary man because they have been handpicked by god to do extraordinary things so those men have to come to the end of themselves otherwise they will goof up their mission because the mission involves history of god on earth so abraham goofs up and we have the mess still happening so isaac cannot be birthed until abraham has come to the end of himself and it becomes impossible for him and then god intervenes in the same thing with moses if moses has to deliver israel out of egypt it's a picture of god delivering his people out of the bondage of sin moses cannot put bring in any of his input over there he has to go there simply as a weak man with nothing except the rod of god in his hand that is the power and the authority god has given him he cannot bring anything out of egypt there what he learned anything of his life except the experience of a shepherd mm. and the shepherd staff nothing else so that's what you're talking about same thing with paul paul has to come to the end of himself consider everything he has acquired in life has rubbish so that he will know christ and we have scripture being written through him sometimes we believe we are making right choices and then we make negative choices as well how do we put foot down to negative choices okay uh, it's like a general kind of a thing see ultimately we become the sum total of the choices we make 
you cannot escape your choices. If you, if you, Galatians is very clear. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap, reap corruption. corruption. If you sow in the spirit, you will reap eternal life. Okay, so choices are important. And the whole idea is that the study of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God is that you cannot make choices unless you have information. And you know what, people? People within the kingdom of God make better choices when it comes to the things of the world than they do about the things of the kingdom. Yes. I'm telling about anybody sitting here. If you have to buy a car, you won't just go buy a car. <laughs> You will spend hours on checking out every model of every company before you decide what you're going to buy. But when you make life choices, people don't sit with the word of God, the spirit of God in prayer before they make their choices. That's our issue. Our issue is that it's not that we do not know how to make choices. Very well know the principle about making choices. Mm. Any simple item you buy for your home, a mixer, a television, a fridge, you don't just go to the shop and get it. That first one is enough. You don't do that. You study it everything. What kind of it is? Which company it is? What is its compressor? You know, people know so much about the things of this world. Even the wiring they know, copper or aluminium. aluminium. Yep. Right? If it's an AC, AC it has yes. to be copper. Otherwise it is not good. Mm. But they don't know the copper in the world. They're satisfied with anything in the world when they make their choices. And you know what? It doesn't please God at all. And that's where we go wrong. The word of God is given so that we make our choices. And we are some, all the mess in our life is the sum total of the negative choices we made. You know why? The Bible says my people perish because of only one reason. Because of lack, lack of, of knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge. Why is the knowledge of God important? Because we make the right choices. Make the right choices. So there is positive choices and there are negative choices. What is the negative choices? Is because of lack of knowledge. Or you have the knowledge and you don't have the power. And that's where the Spirit of God, I have the knowledge, but I yes. don't have the power. And yes. God says, yes, ask for the Holy Spirit. Mm. He says, when he comes, you will receive power to make the right choices. And you will see after that, all the choices they make are practically right. And they have the power to make it in the midst of incredible opposition. And then when you're talking about elders, I didn't get it exactly what he meant by that. It means... When it comes from elders in the family, yeah, I mean, depends upon who you are. If you're an adult or you are a child. If you are a child and the elder makes a negative choice and you're bound to go with it, be very sure that God will work away for you out of it. Mm. The choices ultimately, that's what happened to Joseph. All the choices were made by his elders, people who were above him. But because he stuck to God and refused to, Buckle under that circumstances. That's where Romans 8.28 comes, which says all things work together for the good, all things. And among those old things, all things, many things will be bad. And those choices were not made by you. Those, let us say, negative or evil choices or wrong choices, whatever word you want to make use, it can be a wrong choice out of ignorance of a father. Yes. Okay, Jacob's ignorance, sending the son out over there without really understanding the hatred of his own sons against his youngest one. He didn't understand how how murderous they were in their heart. So father did not you know his children at all. So he made a he didn't make an evil choice. He made a wrong choice. Okay, mm. but the brothers made an evil choice. So you have two things over here. Father makes a wrong choice. The brothers make an evil choice. But God keeps Joseph through it all. Keeps him through it all. 
and protects him. And ultimately, he reaches his pinnacle. And that's what the Bible is talking. See, we have no control over the choices others, others make. make. Us, yeah. The only choice we have, I and you have, is the choice we make. We have choice. Even if somebody does something to us, our choice is how am I going to respond to it? That's why I said it matters. Who Are you an adult or are you a child? How are you going to respond to it? And what does the Bible say about responding to it? Like, let's go into a case study in First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 1. This is one thing I have always encountered in missions. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. First Peter. Likewise, because they are the most vulnerable in a home, because the husband is there and the wife, and the Bible keeps on telling, be submissive to your husband. So basically, go with the flow. That even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Hmm. Okay. And I'm telling you, most men, if you look in, in the nominal Christianity, most men are rude, they are alcoholics, they are violent, violent. And most wives have such miserable marriages. You know why? Not because their husbands were like this. Because they didn't do this. They did not have the power of scripture to back their actions. Mm. If they had known this, if they had read their Bible, and they have one of the women I know in one of the states in India, she's got a flourishing ministry. She's very active. But in all the pictures I see often in the profiles, you'll only see her and her daughter. But she's so active in ministry. But when I first met her, her husband wouldn't even allow her to go to church. She came secretly for my meetings because she was a government employee. So the meetings where she took leave and did not tell her husband and came for those meetings. And she came and said, Pastor, what do I do? I said, in your case, this is it. This is what you do. Don't say a word. Be reverential, be quiet, be loving, take care of it all, and God will change it for you. Today, she has one of the most vibrant ministries in the church where she belongs. They send her for everything, and her husband doesn't oppose her. You know why? Because this is the only way you can beat it. You shout back at your husband, you scream at your husband, you abuse your husband. You know what? The devil is sitting back and having a good time. He says, I got both of you in my hands. It simply will not work. You need God to move. You have to apply God's scripture into these situations. So, the husband, as the head, is making negative choices. You have to make positive choices. And this is what the Bible says. You know what? You may, they may be won by the conduct of their wives. You know what? Every time he's abusive, every time he's this thing, you don't say anything. But you're kind. You know what? He'll be racked by guilt. Amen. Mm. He'll be racked by guilt. Okay. And I think words three also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we looked at it. No? Actually, do not, without, four, without yeah. any fear. Yeah, like, like that, her, yeah. Like that's what Sarah did. Yeah, okay. five, yes, six, Sarah six. obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do not do good, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Look at that old message, daughters of Sarah. Okay, Sarah has her own daughters. We all talk about as Abraham's sons, but nobody wants to be Sarah's daughter. <laughs> this is Sarah's daughter. You know what Sarah's daughter? If you look at it, he's an, he's an abusive man. Abusive, not physically. I mean, who would sell his wife away like that? You save your own skin. What kind of a man are you? Right? And she doesn't object. She says, I come under your thought. If that's what you want to do, that's what. And God supernaturally, and she was not afraid. 
She was not afraid because she was very sure about the call of Abraham. She was included. And if God called him to this place, my husband's goof-ups is not going to mess up my life. My God is going to protect him. And he did it twice, not once. He did it twice. He did it twice. And then taking Isaac, I'm sure he told her. <laughs> you know what the Lord told me? Take your only son. Our son. That would be. And she said, yes, my Lord. Lord, my Lord. <laughs> my Lord. No, that's where it comes. And you know what? And she's the one God recommends. This is where she began and how she ends. And God says, this is the ideal woman. And she was not given into fear. She was not afraid at all. Because that's how God works. So, But I'm not saying that where there's physical abuse and emotional abuse, where you're getting battered, you need to do that. No, you need to seek help. An alcoholic beat you up and drug addict, you married a drug addict, you know, run for your life. I'm not talking about that. The Bible talks about that. You need to separate. Okay, then God hates a man who covers himself with violence. All that is there. I'm not talking about that, taking all that in your life and sitting there and being beaten up. I'm not talking about that. That you have to do again what scripture says. I'm talking about where your husband makes negative choices. You still can make positive choices. Okay, positive choices. And you know, when you do that, God comes into the home and he saves. He saves. And that's where Abigail is a wise woman. Her husband is a fool. His name is a fool. Okay, and what does she do? She goes. and She is not expecting her husband to die or anything. She's actually running to protect her husband's life. And God and Abigail and David looks and says, you're a wise woman. She falls at his feast. I mean, she's a woman who falls at the feet of David to save the life of a rogue. That's a husband. He's a drunkard, he's a fool, he's an abusive fellow, he's a good-for-nothing fellow. But she realizes, you know what, all said and done, the covenant says he's my husband and his life is at stake, you know what, let me see if I have the power to save his life. And he goes and Paul and David says, smart lady, I leave your husband alone, I won't kill him. Ten days later he has a heart attack and he dies. I think that's one of the only marriages which David makes because he saw the heart of a woman. One of the only marriages because of the heart of the He looks at a woman and says, you know what, you're a wise woman. He marries her. He marries Abigail. Simply because of her character. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, another awesome question. Oh, which one is that? It's 12. To overcome fear, do we need to trust God to help us overcome every time? How come we cannot do it in one shot? <laughs> it's because though we use, let, let us say, let me try to give a simple example. When we say a car, let us say, Raj, are you buying a car? He says, I'm buying a car. Is that over? No. We know how many, old days, our days would say, car, ambassador feared. That's okay, two cars. <laughs> it was very easy. Right? Or phone, yeah, BSNL, landline. That's all they were saying. It's not like that. Not like when you say you're buying a car, you know, we'll ask okay, which model, how many CC, all the things you want to know. In the same way, when you talk about fear, there's one name called fear with so many subsections. Fear doesn't come with the same face every day doesn't come with the same. When you have overcome one fear, mm. the next one is facing you. Mm. Okay. You think you have overcome the fear of you got a government job mm. and now you think you are secure. The next thing you are hit by a sickness. Mm. Then you realize, okay, all this thing. And I mean, it can come in so many forms, but the answer to it is all 
only one, one is that you put your trust in the love of God. God called me, he loved me, he will take me through this all. Okay, that's one. Second thing is, you have to make the right choices. Hmm. Okay, you, these are not blind choices. You need right choices to handle your fear. Like people, all, let us say, people all have fear, insecurity about finances. They know in this world you need that. But for that, if you need to move out of that insecurity, you need to make the right choices. You need to, you need to bring faith in over there. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So faith does not come from hearing alone. Faith also involves from obeying the word. Mm. So in come to finances, a lot of things will be there in the word of God. God asks him, most people, God simply says, keeps the principles of the word. To others who keep the principles of God, he may go over and above and speak to them and ask them, like Jesus told the young ruler. He had kept the word. Mm. Then he told him, sell everything and follow me. He didn't, he doesn't say that to most people. Yep. Doesn't say that. But to people who keep the word of God, he will say, you know, I'm going to move you to energy. Then you don't look at it as a demotion. You have to look at it as a promotion. I've tested you. I found it. You got it. You can give it and come over with me. And I will take care of you. And that's how the disciples left. Oh. So you cannot stay in one plate, but you have to address your fears. You have to address your fears. And one is, the love of God, God loves me and nothing will separate me from the love of God. Second, I have to bring faith in over there because faith will repel. Faith and fear are opposites. And uh, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is when you overcome your fear. By faith you overcome fear. And so God may take you through stages like he did with Joshua. Okay, Imagine when he called Joshua. What he told at the end, you know, they had 32,000 soldiers were there when he blew the trumpet. And what did the first thing God say? Let the fearful go. What if when he called Joshua in the beginning, he said, let the fearful go. Joshua would have gone. Because he was the most fearful of the Lord. Hmm. So he didn't say then. But he made him through a process to deal with his fear. Yeah. And how did he deal with his fear? How did God deal with his fear? His fear is real. What is that? The Midianites are like swarms of locusts all over the place. And they got weapons. We have nothing. His fear is real. How did God deal with him? Turned his eyes to God. Look at me. What I am capable of doing. Okay? I am capable of. Your fears sometimes are misplaced. Yes, people will come. But your, you, our fears are because we are not factoring God into the picture. Mm -hmm. That's our issue. You factor. No, if I cut down this Asherah, Paul, all the people in the town will come. This thing, he says, you do it. I will handle it. And for the first time, he does something and his father stands up for it. Okay, he realized, okay, daddy stood up for me, something which I did right. After that, he says, please. Okay, twice. Still not dealt with it, you know. Okay, you do one thing. Go to the camp and listen to what the enemy says about you. By the time he's ready, 300 is more than enough. So he takes you through stages. It is not that like the person I said, in one shot. No, very rarely does it happen in one shot. It takes you through a process and don't short-circuit the process. Don't avoid the process. Don't run away from the process. He will take you through the process. And when you obey and gone, you will know real that you are becoming fearless. Not like in the world, but faith is replacing and you know, my God can. Like Caleb and Joshua said, God can. Yes, they are giants. We are not negating. They are giants, but they are meat for us. They are meat. God has already handed them over, so they are meat for us. I can handle these problems. And we will come. When he's saying, using the term meat, 
He's saying through the problems, when we address it without fear, we'll come out stronger. Stronger strength, yes. We'll only come out stronger. And that's how faith grows. That's how faith grows. If faith does not have fears to handle, faith will not grow. Faith needs fear to fight. What is faith fighting? Faith is fighting fear. Right? It has to fight fears. And there are giants in the land. And the giants are made in such a way to induce fear. They'll be eight feet long, all covered with bronze and with javelins, which are like, you know, huge, massive, created, allowed by God to cause fear. And then he says, stand against it in faith. Not in one shot, but you will overcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, so, it's, also, it's also the fact that uh, um, unless you take that step, you will not. You will not. You will not, you will not, not experience the power, power of God. The first God step. was always there. He's just looking for some. That's what Jesus says. He looks for somebody who's there. Mm-hmm. And God says, it doesn't matter. Anybody. I mean, when the Goliath is brought down, he's brought down by the youngest in the camp. Mm-hmm. The rest are also hardened soldiers. And he's a young boy who's come from the wilderness. That's what God was telling. Anybody could have done this. When Sisera is killed, it is killed, killed by a woman dwelling in a tent. He said, anybody would have done it. What are you so afraid? <laughs> Barak. This is a woman's job. Anybody, if I am with you, even a woman can, a child can do this. A child can do the woman can do the man can do it. What are you afraid of? That's why these pictures are given in the Bible. You don't have to be afraid. If God is for you, then what or who can be against you? But our struggle is this, because we are so controlled by sight. Mm. And sight, the devil comes in to scare us. That is why the only answer is we have to grow in faith. And it's a process. It's not intellectual. Growing in faith is not intellectual. It's an experience like Gideon had to experience God at each step. And each step he went, he was faithful. He found. And Joshua, the first defeat, Joshua fell flat on his face. You, he started talking like the children of Israel. Right? Why did you bring us here? We were all to die. God says, get up. I did not bring you to defeat you. Get up. Deal with the issue. You will win. After that, he never lost. Never lost. After that, he's getting bolder and bolder and bolder. And then he tells, Lord, no, I don't want this battle to finish. I don't want to keep do homework. I want to finish it today. Just stop. And God listened to him. He said, good. This is exactly what I wanted. This guy doesn't want to carry the battle on to tomorrow. He wants to finish it today. This fellow who ran. So fell and said, why this thing? He wants to finish it today. You know from where to where Joshua moved, he becomes fearless. Fearless. And he wants to pass that courage on to others and says, bring the kings out. Put your feet on it and look what it feels like. You know, and that's what it does. <coughs> yes, Pastor Vijay. So we'll look at one more last question. I think, I think we'll have only time for one more. Uh, it's question number eight. Very eight. pertinent again for the days, the days we're living in. Uh, can we also ask God like Samuel speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Is it wrong to ask God to speak to us directly? I think that's what she meant or he meant. Is that considered impatient? No, no, it's not. God speaks every day. He's in the new covenant. If God doesn't speak to you, there is a problem. He doesn't have to speak to you like he spoke to Samuel. Uh, maybe, maybe the question is also... He's talking about audibly audible, speaking. Audible, no, audible. You don't have to speak audibly. Actually, if God speaks to you audibly, it's very confusing. If God were to speak to me audibly, I would be very confused. But if God speaks to my spirit, I'm very sure. Because you're used to that voice. You know? Audible, this thing, it's all in the Old Testament. I mean, it, I'm not saying he does not speak audibly even today. He does, because God does not change. But do you really need it? Unless it's a very, very serious issue. Very, very serious issue. He doesn't have to. And he does intervene. He does do that. But he doesn't have to. 
You all every day you have to get up in the morning as you do your devotions. You just have to say like your your servant listens, waits, and he speaks to you. Our problem is we want to know things in advance, but God doesn't do stuff like that. God doesn't do something because He says, you know what, you you are not you are not doing what you would do with your children. Father or mother would be pleased with a child who says, comes and says, can you tell me what you're giving me for March 1st, sorry, April 1st for breakfast? I want to know. And I want to know whether you have the money enough for it. What's wrong with you? You don't trust me? See, if our children were to ask questions, immediately we make an issue because it's a question of trust. But when we ask God, we don't think it that way. Our major issue is we want to know from things God everything in advance. But God says, why do you want to know? I'm your father, you are my child. <laughs> why do you want to know? You don't ask your father those things. Why are you asking me? You don't expect that kind of junk on earth. And you're expecting that in heaven. When your father is limited in his power and I'm limitless in my power. And that's our major issue. Faith basically means you walk by faith. What does that mean? You walk one day at a time. Certain things he may tell you in advance so that he prepares for you. Like in Paul's case, you're going to suffer for me. So he prepared him. So when it happened, it did not come as a surprise. He mm. knew he was. But it, did, it didn't tell him all the things, where he was going, which countries, all these things he didn't tell him. All the details he didn't give him. But big picture he came. You know what? You're going to get beaten up everywhere you go. No? So be prepared for that. You're going to suffer. For my sake, be prepared for that. So he was ready for that. But other than that, God does not have. But he will speak. Every day he speaks. He speaks to you. And if he doesn't speak to you, and you know you are right with God, he doesn't speak to you. It simply means you don't have anything to hear. Like I told this old uh, illustration, you are driving from, let us say, Hyderabad to Bangalore. You don't know the way. When you're giving out, the lady in that GPS is telling you, turn this thing, turn 200 meters to the right, this thing, and finally you hit the highway. After that, she's quiet. Yeah. Okay. Before, you, when you hit the highway, she says, now drive straight for the next 50 kilometers or 50 miles, and you will have a toll booth, if she says that. And you are waiting. Why are you not speaking to me? Why are you not speaking? Lady, what's wrong with me? I think my GPS is gone. I think it's fine. You just drive straight. God says, I don't have anything to say. You're on the right lane. You're, it's fine. Continue. When the next turning comes, I will speak to you. I will speak to you. Right? For three days, God did not speak to Abraham. Why? He's on the right road. Take your son, your only son. Go to a place I'm showing you. And I will show you the mountain. Three days, God didn't say anything. Why? You're on the right road. And on the third day, when you reach Mariah, he's at that mountain. Then he climbs up. And then again, he says, stop your hand. Okay? Three days, God did not speak to him. So there are some seasons. We have to look into your life. Does God have to speak to me? And realize, no, I'm doing what God told me to do. There is no change in direction now. That's enough. No, we, we, are, we are adults. We are adults. We are not babies. It is to babies we hug them every day, kiss them every day, ten times, we hundred times, we say, I love you so much. This thing. But you don't tell that to a 25-year-old son. I love you so much, son. Come, You don't say that. 
Conversation is completely different. Amen. Adult conversation is completely Amen. different. You don't say that. I have five children. It's the only the youngest one. I only send hearts and this thing, and I love you so much. To the eldest one, no, it's very, it's a different thing altogether, because he's in his thirties. The other one is the youngest, and she's a girl. So it is a different conversation with him and her. Hi, son. How are you doing? Good, Papu. That's enough, right? The youngest one. Okay, honey, you want money. <laughs> You are, Babu. Can I have your credit card number? No, honey, I am not even. But that's a different conversation. Why? Because that's the youngest one. But we know our problem is we want God to treat us like babies. God wants to treat us like adults. <laughs> that's our issue. That's our issue. But I'm now. Don't take it to your marriage, okay? Don't take it to your marriage and say, "Okay, now I got it. Now I don't have to say anything to my wife." No, that's not. It's like that man who told his wife <laughs> said, you, "You haven't. Uh, we've been married for so many years, and you don't tell me that you love me." He said, "When I got married, I told you I love you. If I change my mind, I will let you know." <laughs> don't be like that. <laughs> don't be like that. Okay. So. I- So to men, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your daughters. Remember, God said it. I didn't say it. Okay, they are weaker, weaker in the sense of they are sensitive vessels. Treat them differently. Okay, yes, treat them yes, differently. yes, yes. It's not as easy as getting a ticket. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's the way it is. Okay, you have to, because I had these issues when I was growing up, because I never, I used to get caned, like, mercilessly, like my father. My sisters never used to get caned. They wouldn't even get scolded. And I used to get so, my mother used to get wild with them. Not my father. I used to get so mad with them, so it got into my head, you know, so I one day asked him, why did he say, those are my daughters. You treat them differently. You don't treat the doctors the way you do it. This is, and they used to like, you know, and you did anything to them, they would wait for the father to come home. <laughs> it was terrible. And you know, I can, tell, I can remember specific instances where a sister gets uh, smacked by a brother and she's crying and then she looks and realizes crying is no use because all at home, dad will come only at 4 or 5.30 in the evening. So the smack, the smack was at 12 in the afternoon. She cries, stops, and then exactly five minutes before he starts crying again. <laughs> okay? And as soon as the father comes in, he says, Mole, Mole, what happened? What happened? What happened? This one did it. And immediately punishment begins. Okay? Okay. Because that's the way. <laughs> that's the way. Okay? And that's the way it should be. Okay, if that way had continued, there would have been no gender confusion what you see today. The gender confusion happened is because we did not treat our boys as boys and our girls as girls. That's where the confusion becomes. Now nobody knows who's a man or who's a woman and each day you are different. You wake up as a man, go to sleep as a woman. All this confusion came in because the division God made, we did not keep it and we did not treat people that way. Scripturally speaking, where Bible says, treat them as weaker vessel with honor, meaning the honor you give a woman and the honor you give your man is different. 
it is different. It is not the same. You treat them differently. Treat them differently. Yes, we shall pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank we you just Lord. praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We just glorify you, Lord. We are all on the learning curve, Lord. So much still to learn, Master. So <coughs> much still to learn, Lord. The Lord Jesus, when he walked on earth, was so tough with the Pharisees and the rulers, was so gentle with the women, even those who fell, Lord. A woman caught in adultery. You were so gentle with them. The Samaritan woman, a smoking flax you would not put off, a bruised reed you would not break. Oh, Father, we have so much to learn, Lord, so much to learn to deal with our fears through and by faith, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that God is with us, God is for us forever, not for one day or two days, forever. Help us to get these principles in our head first and live it out by faith each day, Lord. Financial principles people asked about, marriage people asked about. Help us not to get conformed to the pattern of the world. We have to come out of the world and the thinking of the world and cut the ties with the world and allow our minds to be renewed by your word and by your spirit. And then we will realize faith is easier. The kingdom of God is more real than the kingdom of man, the kingdom of this world. Help us, Lord. As we go to the end of this Saturday, and tomorrow is the day we gather in church, I pray your presence would be there with all your people everywhere, Lord. Thank you for the liberty we still have in this country to worship you freely with no restrictions, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We speak your rest into every heart. Your rest your peace we receive, Lord, as we go home. And as people start a day, new day, in the other part of the world, we just want to thank you for everyone, Lord. Thank you. Go with us. Go before us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.